What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to Recalling Saul, a podcast that recaps Better Call Saul, starring, you know, it's only starring Rhea Seahorn. Sorry, Miss Seahorn. I was kind of the only person on this show that, that we talk about from now Some, on. Somebody who I think we can both say we wouldn't think would be, I mean, I wouldn't think she would still be on the show. Uh, you know, uh, ha- two seasons ago, I would have thought this plot, that their relationship would be over by now. I certainly wouldn't have thought. I mean, they basically did what they did with Skylar better. Oh, way better. Uh, you know, at, at the top of the show, I'm willing to say right now that I think at this point, you know, sixth season notwithstanding, I, th- I think it will uphold the, you know, the final 13 episodes will uphold the same quality. I think it's better than Breaking Bad to me. Oh, I, I, I think it's uh, and and I know you you like Breaking Bad a little more than I do. Not that I don't love it, uh, but I think this show is definitely better. And I think that you could make an argument for there is a little a little bit of the attraction to some people for, of Breaking Bad is that it's more of a blockbuster show. There's more, yes. there's more people. Not that you know this is we're talking a week after the shootout episode, but traditionally on this show. Uh, there aren't a lot of deaths. There aren't. There isn't the mischief factor is much lower. You know all yeah, that stuff. Not very many explosions. I, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm actually rewatching Saul and The Wire right now, and it's it's so crazy to me how uh, low key. And I don't remember this, but like The Wire is relatively low key. Not many shootouts and things like that happening. Yeah, that's, a lot of- that's why. Like, it's uh, like the, on it's the uh, the wire and on the Sopranos that people like people remember them for being these you know insanely violent shows week to week because they were on HBO and they were you know in different ways both about gangsters, but the deaths on these shows were events. Like that's yeah. why they're the episodes that people remember because they there isn't actually that much violence in all these shows. Bad Choice Road, uh, following up last week's utterly incredible Bagman uh, episode, we we are back and we are on the penultimate episode of this this very amazing season five. It feels like just yesterday, but it really it's literally been a month <laughs> since. Yeah, I know. This has all gone down, but uh, we're to, to start off, we're back in the desert, and we have a montage opening the show. This is a callback. Pat, did you know that? The it's the it, I, I mean I knew they did the like the I didn't remember them doing this split like this before, but now that you've said it, I can picture it happening. Yes, it's a callback to uh, season four, uh, literally last season. It's an episode something stupid, uh, which kind of makes since because uh, the next episode is something unforgivable and there were two episodes that started with something on um, season four so you already know something went down on yeah. all of these episodes but uh it's same song too but a different uh but at this time in spanish uh it's between jimmy and, and, and kim again uh kim is worried sick you know the, the 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 blocking is awesome here as well as the parallels you know a snake <laughs> compared yeah. to fish uh you know kim drinking water like there's not a care in the world and jimmy's still drinking his piss uh, but we're, they're still walking, Jimmy and Mike, that is, uh, after their ordeal with the, the uh, I like to call them bandits, but uh, yeah. the, the rival gang uh, from the last episode. Like Colombian? Yeah. <laughs> and we'll get, we'll get a little bit more into, into who they are a little bit later. But uh, They've got tattoos. Yeah, and they're very easy to draw. But uh, <laughs> Jimmy finally gets service from Kim, uh, who breaks down in tears to, in the cold open. What do you think about this opening scene? 
Uh, I thought it was really good, especially for the, uh, I mean, the, the Saul stuff wasn't that new. You know, we saw him wandering around and being getting second degree, third degree sunburns and drinking the piss uh, more or less where we left him. But <clears throat> the thing you're thinking about at the end of the last episode is Kim. And then of course it opens on her and who hasn't had a night like this where you're basically just waiting for the next morning and therefore you're up most of the night, you know, hardly sleeping, et cetera. Yeah. And then you actually, you know, seven or 8 AM the next day rolls around and you can finally make that phone call that you need to make, or you finally get the news you need or whatever, if it an email, Did this, happen it's the best worst feeling. Did this happened to you recently. You're very lucid about this. So sometimes I, uh, sometimes I'm on the ball. <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought that that's, that just, that's just me every single day. But I thought that again, you know, this opening scene uh, really kind of expresses, you know, that we're picking right back up from the last episode. We see these two still walking. They finally had like, how far do you think they've walked at least? I mean, it seems like fifty fucking miles. I don't know. It seems like endless. Yeah, and we're finally able to get down to business after the break into what exactly the grift is going to be, what the story is going to be. We see Jimmy and Mike at a rest stop as they change their clothes. Very Pulp Fiction, would you say? Yes, I, it was. Uh, I wrote, I emailed myself a Pulp Fiction episode title uh, <laughs> as soon as I saw them sitting there like that. So there you go. They look terrible. Shout out to the makeup team. I uh, didn't actually listen to the Insider podcast this week. Um, probably gonna listen to it after this. I would, I'm pretty sure they have stories about uh, this episode and how they got Mike and Jimmy to look like this. But they it looked like real sunburn. Yeah, they looked freaking baked. They looked really terrible. Um, and then you know we see Gus's crew pick them up. That's Tyrus, who I still can't stand. Uh, it's uh, so they, funny. They even uh, yeah, <laughs> just second I saw, him, I was like Tyrus. Uh, and Mike gives him a report uh, in the car. He, he says that the body, the Tyrus says the bodies are still there. Uh, but they can't find who set them up. Uh, and, and Mike says, you know, that's probably, you know, what's best. Because ever still out there is still out there. And, and you're probably not going to find them. But, uh, you know, Saul tries to go to sleep. And Mike says, you need to work on your story. We get another commercial break here. <laughs> yeah. Very uh, yeah. <laughs> Especially on the app when, like, you can see how long the commercials are. I don't love it. Yeah, it's, it was like an un, unusual amount of commercials. We had like a five minute. This was like a five minute scene. And we're usually used to what? And I know you work on TV, Pat. It's what, like 10 minutes, eight to 10 minutes before a break? Uh, I mean, it, it obviously like has been kind of upended in the last, uh, you know, five to 10 years, especially by shows like Saul. But yeah, I mean, if if your show is running for an hour and there's four commercial breaks, they need to be happening every eight to 10 minutes and they're not going to all happen in there. And there's usually more than four. So. Yeah. And this one had about six, I think. If, if yeah. I count correctly. Yeah. It's um, hard to tell how long the episodes actually are because of the, I can never tell if they calculate the commercial length in and they always tack on the Andre 3000 show. So I can well, like, remember, remember I got confused in episode one. Cause I, I texted you. I said, well, this is a two hour episode, but then it was, it wasn't, they just showed you, the first 30 or something of, yeah. of, uh, of that show. Yeah. And now it's on there. That show is on attached to salt every single week, which have you seen it? Have you watched it? No, I haven't watched it. It's it. What's it called? Dispatches from elsewhere. There's like yeah. another, the dude who made 
Ex Machina and Annihilation has a show called Devs right now. Hulu, right? Yeah, and I haven't seen that either, but I think if I'm going to watch like a science fiction guy show, it's going to be the the Alex Garland one, not the not the AMC one. Right. Uh, back from break, uh, Jimmy drops off the money. He's questioned, he's questioned by the attorney over the case about the seven mil. I loved her reaction to this, which she says, seven million dollars. He had seven million dollars. <laughs> And, he, and Jimmy says, you know, it's not my place to talk about or say where he got this money from. Obviously, this is raising a lot of eyebrows, which uh, kind of leads more credence to why Gus got him out of this situation. I think a lot of people were confused as to uh, why Gus was helping. And we're going to get to that when we, you know, when we get to the Gus section later on in the show. But this kind of picks up and, and tells you, OK, this is going to get explained a little bit later. Uh, we see Lalo uh, get out and he wants to know the story, which we will be hearing this story a lot this episode. Yeah. Uh, Saul says it's car, it was car trouble and he couldn't hitchhike because of the money that he had on him. So he walked. Saul warns Lalo that the bill he posted is going to have eyes on him, obviously, as we've seen from the scene before. And Lalo says he's going to be long gone. But first, they have things to do, of course, because he's now a friend of the cartel. Lalo tells Saul to buy something <laughs> nice for Kim, who came to see him. And then he, he really, I love him here. Once again, he, he's another. Uh, MVP, one of the MVPs, not co-MVP, probably MVP part two of this episode, but talks about Kim who came to see uh, see him as we saw in Bagman. Uh, and Jimmy was did not know that Kim came to see Lalo to find out where he was. And uh, I think he's going to have a lot of problems with that. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, now like, there's like it's like another point of no return. Yeah. Uh, like the ante has been upped in a way that it can't be uh, downed. <laughs> ever again yeah right uh, or at least not while lalo is uh alive for the duration of this show absolutely um so back from break jimmy returns home and he's brandishing his scars uh did did, did bob lose a lot of weight between his episodes he looks i, I don't know he looks it's, you really know, it, it's the pulp fiction clothes yeah. when, when, if you look at those guys in in Pulp Fiction, I think uh, I think this morning somebody actually posted them on Instagram. But uh, it, they look way thinner than I think either one of them actually was at the time. Also, it's the baggy gym clothes. I think. Oh, okay, I guess. But I don't, but I don't know. I mean, he. he I, I don't. Uh, it might have been, um, and not that his body didn't also do it, but they might have put uh, face makeup to intentionally make him look gaunt. Uh, who, who knows? Yeah. Very. Uh... Very bothered, wor- worrisome, worrisome to say the least. Uh, Actually, lost in the desert. Wait, I mean, if he was on his, if he was on his, uh, his, uh, his, his, um, God, who's that? What's that? Oh, Christian Bale. If he was on his Christian Bale shit, yeah, yeah, that's pretty, pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah, to say the least. also the least healthy thing. Yeah, that you so can bad for you. That, that old. Um, yeah. So. Uh, Kimmy makes Jimmy take an oatmeal bath to help his sunburn. Of course, th- thank you, Kim, for being so down uh, for him. He hasn't told Kim who he was with and how he really got home, but he does confront her about seeing Lalo. He scolds her and tells her that she's not in the game. Of course, we remember this conversation that he and Mike had in the last episode where, you know, it's kind of coming up again. Um, and he's, he basically says he's worried about her, embarrassed his soul about how scared he was and how he was thinking about her the, the whole time. And, and he couldn't, you know, it's the only thing that, that got him through all of this was thinking about Kim, which I actually believe him here. Uh, it, it, it's one of the situations where he both kind of used this to uh, weasel his way out a little bit. And also, uh, I, you know, I totally believe him. And then uh, Kim says, you know, she she 
you know, didn't say anything. It's, it's basically she, she, you know, she reiterates why why we got here. And once again, so masterful of the storytelling to have this happen right after they get married, right? Like it's so coincidental yeah. that this happened after they pulled the big grift uh, on Mesa Verde, and now she has the the, the rights and, and that privilege to actually kind of go in and and see what's going on with him and have a basically be the the person that has his back. Which and and all you know, in all. Uh, effects, that's the best thing to do. I mean, Skyler found out way too late. You know, yeah, Kim and still did a pretty good job of, uh, of being part of the business. Yep. And I, I think that, you know, this is again, doing, um, you know, doing the, the right thing. Uh, if you can say this is, this is the right thing. Yeah. Uh, but Kim asked Jimmy, was it all worth it? And he goes, to, he tells her to go look in the bag. What an idiot. She sees the money but she also sees his mug, really great shot of her eye in the mug. We see that repeated later on in this episode. Um, why did Jimmy take this mug? Why did he take the mug? It, I mean, he, he, he was, uh, it was sentimental. He, sh- he, he should have left it when he saw that there was the, the bullet hole in it, though. But, but you know why he kept it? Because Kim got him that. that yeah, time. exactly. Yes, yeah. And, and Kim sees it, and obviously she is she's visibly shaken, but she does see the money. And he says from the, from the bathroom, that's what it's all about. And we go to break. Really great scene. I think the, the, at this point, the episode is three for three for me. And I think that it's all working. And, and, and of course, like it continues down after the break. But how do you feel about the uh, kind of like within this scene, having Kim see that mug or see the thermos and see the money? Do you think this kind of makes her drawn towards it more? Because she doesn't tell him to stop. Yeah, it's she she actually says, like, listen, uh, I know you're not telling me everything. You don't even have to. uh, But I know something's going on. And then he still doesn't really say anything, even though he probably should at this point. Right. Uh, But it's, you know, I think she is into it. I mean, it's hard to say that she isn't. She sees it and, you know, she recognizes it for what it is, even if she also has this element of it that she clearly hates because of the, uh, the criminal the element. Yeah. yeah. The criminal element of, of everything going Him on. being gone for the entire night. Uh, so back from break and we are with Mike and Gus, Mike seemingly, uh, well adjusted and back to his normal life already. Yeah. <laughs> um, the gang that robbed them wanted no parts of the twins, which we pretty much all knew, which is why they made their move after they left. It's uh, so funny that they have just totally made them to be like straight up superheroes at this point. <laughs> um, Gus asked Mike uh, to draw the tattoo that he saw on the, uh, the, the rival gang. And Gus mentions that they were hired, but by who? Gus calls uh, Juan to mention and that is, uh, you know, Juan Bolsa, the, the kind of the right hand man of Don Eladio. Uh, he, he mentions that Lalo was bailed and Juan replies he was bailed <laughs> yeah. and, he's, and he says he hopes Gus's run of bad luck is over and things go back to normal. Of course, Gus, being the smart guy that he is, notices what's going on here and he tells Mike this is the person who set Lalo up. How did you feel about this? It's uh, it's good. It was good. My favorite part of the scene was seeing it. Uh, we don't all often get to see gus and mike together in like an intimate business capacity that often but seeing gus make this call with mike there was good for seeing you know mike is even now pretty high up with gus like he really has his ear and even if he's not the mike we see in breaking bad 
is still like, you know, already a, a lieutenant or whatever I, you want to say. And I shudder to say, like, I, I the reason I love this show so much more is that we are able to now see that because we follow these characters and seeing the the wheels and in, in, in the gears in, in Gus's brain move by making that call. It just shows just how smart he was and how much he picked up on uh, Juan's bullshit, so to speak. Um, and again, like it, it's it's become very clear that Juan and wanting to help Gus actually made things worse. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and and so you know it, it definitely was it was a situation of two people thinking the same thing but going about it two different different ways. Uh, Juan wanted, of course, Lalo to stay in prison because he thought that would be the only way that it would stop. Uh, him from messing with his business and Gus's business at the same time. But Gus, knowing better, knew that there was there was no jail that could hold Lalo. And we all know that now. Like, he, was yeah. still, he still had the, the restaurant burned even when he was in jail. Like, he was probably even more powerful at that point because no one could reach him at, mm-hmm. the, at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so Gus says that, you know, they, they want to get uh, they want to get Lalo, but they cannot do it. Uh, within U.S. soil. They have to do it in Mexico. So everything they do next has to be untraceable to Gus. Uh, but before Mike leaves, he mentions cutting Nacho loose, which I thought they were going to give up on this this thread, but they don't hear. And you get some interesting, an interesting quote from Gus. Uh, he vetoes this idea, saying that having a mole in the Salamancas uh, in, in, their, in their base is advantageous to him. But Mike mentions that he doesn't like intimidation. He doesn't think fear is a good, is a good, uh, is a good device to make people do what you want to do. Gus's response was that Nacho is a dog who has bit every owner he's ever had, and he has to be dealt with a firm hand or he has to be put down. Boy, oh boy. What about that one? It was a hard it, – it, it, was, it, was really, it was really good because it was, you know, we're finally seeing Mike make good on this plea we wanted him to make on Nacho's behalf for quite a few episodes <clears throat> at this point. But when even though Gus is, you know, ultimately like kind of a sadist by – keeping Nacho in this position, he isn't wrong in what he says uh, because Nacho has been a less than great employee to basically everyone. Less than loyal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's the person, and Gus knows this, that, that uh, had, you know, poisoned uh, Hector. Uh, he, he got Tuco put in jail. He knows all of these things. Yeah. And it, it is definitely something that he, 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 keeps, uh, he keeps noting. And, and I think that it's definitely – you know, something that, you know, Gus is always five steps ahead. And, you know, he, he does, he says this here, but also interesting to note is that Gus uses uh, Mike's same line in Breaking Bad. At what about, point? About fear not being a, a powerful motivator. Oh, yeah, yeah. He uses the same thing in, in season three when he wants Walt to come back uh, to cooking again. And, and, and Mike says, why don't you just ask him? And then Gus says, I don't believe fear is a good motivator. So once yeah. again, more callbacks to what these two have learned from each other and what they're gleaning from each other as far as uh, how they do business and, and the difference in how they do business. Of course, yeah. and Mike, I don't think it bodes well for uh, Nacho. No, I don't think a lot of things <laughs> bode yeah. well for uh, Nacho at this point. So, I mean, we're going to we're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. All right. So after break. We go to Nacho, and Nacho was talking to one of Gus's guys about how he's planning to extract Nacho across the border, of course, playing the mole here. And, you know, he f- he's asking him what happens next afterwards, and he says, basically, don't worry about it. And then he goes back to inside yeah. the house. <laughs> um, we're back to Saul and Kim, and Kim stays home to take care of Jimmy. And as she's grinding oranges in that loud-ass grinder, juice maker, uh, you know, Jimmy has PTSD. 
And it is like bodies being shredded by bullets. And it is super clear that this has had a greater effect on Jimmy um, than he's leading on. And of course, this is the first time Jimmy has has essentially kind of had to deal with the the worst parts of dealing with the cartel. And that's the bodies and the blood. We don't really see too much of that or, you know, if that at all in Breaking Bad. And I'm wondering if this situation is, is the reason why we don't see him get his hands dirty in that way uh, or, or why he lends it off to other people, so to speak, <laughs> uh, in Breaking Bad. But what did you feel about the scene of just the – this is a loud scene too. I really like the sound design they did here. Yeah, it was it was great for that exact reason. I mean it was – this type of thing is really uh, the – not just the editing, but the entire production of the scene from the, you know, the actual cutting to the, the sound design to his, uh, you know, Saul's emotive performance is it, it takes all of those things to actually make something nonverbal like this work. And it, it was, it was really good. It was intense. It was one of the most intense parts of the episode. I thought actually. Yeah. Super intense. Uh, he, he is eating a bowl of cereal. He actually drops it on the ground after all of that. And he says, you know, he's not ready to eat yet. <laughs> like it's it's completely fine he says he you know i would be led to believe that until like the third act jimmy hasn't eaten or drank anything since yeah he, yeah like him even wants to in their first scene together she wants to get him taken to the er to at least get an iv on him and he still pushes her off at that point as well and, bl- and, bl- and blows it off so uh he's dealing he's dealing with a lot of demons at that point so back from the break again a lot of commercial breaks in this episode yeah uh, Kim attempts to watch a movie and Jimmy takes a call from a potential client and goes to help him once again, uh, kind of blocking off and, and, and burying what happened to him and putting, you know, burying himself into work. This is something that I think a lot of people that go through something like this, they, that they do. Uh, that, that like, like, wor- uh, like work therapy, just like forgetting about everything else. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it, and, and again, like, we're seeing that this has affected him even more. Like he's super scared. He's paranoid, but he also just wants to go back and, and try and live life normally as if he's Mike and he's not. Yeah. Um, Kim says she knows that he's lying and that something bad has happened and that she's not going to force him to tell the truth, but she's still here from him for him anyway. And Jimmy admits some, that something happened and that's that he had to drink his own pee. Uh, <laughs> very Jimmy thing to, to do here. What did you feel about his explanation or his first explanation here? I thought that maybe, it might lead to him giving up more of the story, which of course it didn't. Uh, but even now I was like, just, just tell her like she, she already, she knows something happened. Like, why, why are you trying? Like, you're, you're busted. Give, give it up. <laughs> Stop freaking lying. So yeah. the hell. Uh, so after this, um, Kim goes to work pretty much for no reason at all. And, you know, everything that she needs has been taken care of. And, and again, it's it's the it's the hamster in the wheel scenario for Kim that she's still been dealing with, even with getting Mesa Verde back and saving her own job. But she's going in to write letters and recites letters through a tape recorder and she sees a picture. I'm not sure what that picture's from. Uh, were, were you were you uh, privy on what that was? No, no. I I thought that I, I know she was looking at it. I thought that kind of just the mundanity of the letter reciting kind of got to her. Yeah, exactly. I didn't know what the the picture was. So uh, she she leaves her 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 office, goes to Rich, and she quits Schweiker. How did no, you feel? like? Non, uh, and, and, and we could see Rich's reaction, but no, uh, uh, I don't know. We know we kind of it was smartly shot. I thought we didn't really need to see the whole moment. 
uh, yes. or hear the whole moment. And they they built up Kim and Rich's relationship pretty well throughout the season to where we know what it what the exchange would have been like. Yeah, and 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 how that might have uh, how Rich might have reacted to that. You know, and, and of course, we, we did see a little bit of that reaction uh, in this episode. Um, so Kim goes back and gets some of her uh, belongings, tells the, tells her assistant to uh, ship them all to her and whatever she, you know, drops off her company car even. And then yeah. after that, she takes the cap, the bottle of liquor, the cap to the bottle of liquor that Jimmy gave her uh, when she when she cel- when he was celebrating on uh, season two. But if you also notice, it's the same liquor that uh, Gus gifted to Don Eladio. And salute on Breaking Bad. Oh, nice! I did not uh, the, the poisoned. Uh, spoiler alert: the poison, poison, poison booze. Liquor. Yeah, poison booze. I thought you were going to say it was uh, that mezcal that uh, Cranston and Aaron Paul uh, are selling now. <laughs> <laughs> I would not remember they fooled us in the thing that they were about to, you know, actually do. Well, they actually did it. Yeah, it was just so funny. They just like made it look like it was such a big deal. And I was like, nobody gives a shit about this. It was no, just like no. a million pictures of horses. And then they were like, were they in the desert? Or they were like walking or something. It was really yeah. weird. It was super weird. Um, so back from break, Lalo is at the uh, the retirement home. And I know you, you remember this retirement home if you watch Breaking Bad. Telling Hector his goodbyes and showing him that there are more ways to break down Gus by being close to Eladio in Mexico. What do you think about this scene as a whole? Uh, I loved the uh, I, the maybe the best part of Dalton's performance about Lalo is the uh, yeah before he's like gonna disagree with somebody uh, yeah. sternly and there was a great one of those here where it was she wanted him to uh, Don Ecker to come get the birthday cake <laughs> and I was like yeah why don't you give us a minute. He, but he's, uh, he's so unpredictable, and, and you know we see more of that you know toward the end of this. Yeah. Well, but he's so unpredictable, and, and I and I like that about him because it's like you think he's joking, but he, he's really not. Yeah, and it also uh, it makes the moments when he's being like not just intimidating, but like just genuinely sincere, uh, very good. Um, I, I I love the return to the and, and again these are like unsaid they, they don't well I think for the, for this and this is something that I don't know if like people will like or dislike they, they stuck a little bit too long on the sign on the on the retirement home letting you know okay this is where it happened at. yeah yeah and this is where it will be it was just a super weird shot for them but uh, he also mentions to to Hector that uh, Tuco will be out in eleven months so we are getting closer and closer. To the main timeline, Pat. Yeah, yeah. I think I saw uh, it might have been. I think it was Alan Sevenwall uh, who said like that. It seemed like they didn't quite line up. Like it seemed like maybe they are going to tack some more time onto Tuco's sentence or something. Well, I, it, I think that, I think this this takes place in two thousand and two. Yeah, season. And so, I think there's something in season one of Breaking Bad where somebody says how long Tuco has been out of prison for. Yeah. And it's like, it, it doesn't line up with him getting out in 11 months on this show. Yeah. And but it, he could easily have gone to prison again between the end of this show and the beginning of Breaking Bad. Well, there is an episode in, I believe, season three where Tuco, like, fights someone in prison and Hector finds out and he's like, they're going to add on more years. So that could potentially happen yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. And we, we could still... But the thing is, I would think that if he was able to get out in 11 months, 
he is way bigger of an entity in Breaking Bad, and that would take time to do anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm not, I'm not convinced that they, they, they could play fast and loose with Tuco's release as much as they want. Like, to me, it's all about really just getting him in position when, for when Breaking Bad starts. So yeah. to me, that's, it's negligible to me, the, the time period. Yeah, um, he's ultimately just, even in Breaking Bad, really like more of an entry point than anything else. And this is in the same. He acted the same way here as a cipher to get Saul and Mike into a position. Yeah, he's just like a first boss. Exactly, the easiest one. He's he's the glass Joe, if you will, of Breaking <laughs> Bad. Um, so after Lalo leaves Hector to say his happy birthdays, he looks like he is in so much pain when he's doing this. Him wearing the hat, so good, hilarious. Uh, Lalo directs Nacho, who is driving him to go to the border. Gus has a tracker on the car, and he's in pursuit, waiting for him. Nacho should have just fucking shot him. Nah, man. <laughs> nah. We, 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 I, I, I don't know how this is going to end, but, but before we get to that, uh, after the break, Saul loses the case for his client in trouble, a case that he should have won. He's trolled by Oak, uh, Oakley constantly afterwards. And this Mike's fucking guy. <laughs> I love Oakley. He's great. Yeah, he is hilarious. Um, afterwards, Mike picks him up, and he asks Mike when the trauma is going to go away, and, uh, you know, when... when when will he stop feeling so terrible about what happened? And Mike, being Mike, never giving a true answer here. <laughs> he says it'll go away when one day he's eating dinner and he just isn't thinking about it anymore. Uh, what did you feel about Mike's speech here? Uh, it was good. You know, it's a little... It, it, it was, is this, was this the part where Saul says, like, I wish I had anybody else to talk to about this but you? Yes. I, I, I like this scene. I would have liked it kind of to be a, a moment of bonding a little more between the two of them i thought which it kind of is even if, if, because it's on the show whether or not it actually is in the moment but uh i think it's impossible for these two to bond because they are at their core like duties notwithstanding they're two completely different people so it'd be yeah. hard to bond on anything two absolutely different ways of looking at the world and operating within it like who oh yeah only work together because of duty and circumstance yeah, exactly. And, you know, Mikey or, or uh, Saul even says, like, you know, after Mike says, we're in the game. And this is this is how it happens. Uh, another game reference in, in rewatching The Wire. Everyone says the game. Yeah. So. They, they said it a few times in this episode. Even Kim says, like, the, the game. What are, you, what are you talking about? It connects all of these people. But um, Saul mentions Fred from Travel Wire and how he feels terrible that he he helped Lalo to get off for that murder and, and get away. And Mike implies that it's not the end for Lalo. Uh, which causes Saul to be even more worried and scared. I don't yeah. think we should have said that. Yeah. So why, it's, if it's true, whether or not it's true, no point in freaking Saul out even more. Uh, and he says that Mike, you know, Mike mentions that all of their choices put them on a road. And this road, you know, even if they take many winding paths, this is the road that they're, they're meant to be on. And uh, this was Saul, a classic moment that reminded me of, uh, like there was, it was always on, on the Sopranos. Tony would always repeat something later that he'd heard earlier in the episode. And it was always really funny. But when Saul tries to do tell the, uh, the bad choice road thing to Kim and totally botches it, it's so funny. Yeah. We're, we're going to get to that in just a, just a second. But, uh, I, I feel as though here Saul was again, like I, it, it, it was, it was hard for me to, or maybe it might've been a little bit clearer to me to figure out who he is going to become here. Like, I, I now believe that that whole character is a front, honestly. The that whole. 
Wait, what in in what in first story? You mean? The, yeah, in the, in the main storyline of, of, of this this universe. Like, I, I looking at this and how he reacts to this. Like, it's hard for me to believe that he's going to become a hard and cold, uncaring person. Yeah, yeah, and it's like kind of it makes his turn back into Gene more believable. I think that like this whole time he was just he was able to flip back out of this universe because even though he got himself into it, he didn't really belong in it or want to be in it, but just kept doing it anyway. So after break, we get Lalo and Nacho in the desert, more desert, more to Holly. They got a lot of use out of this road. Yes, they did. Uh, they drive to the well. I, I think I want to say this is the well that Mike and Jesse made the drop off set in Breaking Bad. Yeah, that would be, I mean, that, I mean, I guess there could be many wells, but let's, let's say it's the same one. I think it's the well. Um, he tells Nacho not to wait for him and, and to go ahead on. Uh, he compliments him about the fire at, at Los Poyos, and Nacho attempts to leave, but Lalo asks him to take the car back up the road because he senses something is off. I mean, I think that Lalo and Gus, their, their third eye is perpetually open. Yeah, they uh, Lalo is like, uh, you always think he's going to be dumb, and then he does something very smart. Oh, no, after last episode, I don't think anyone should think he's he's. Yeah, yeah. In any way, shape, or form, a stupid person. Yeah, he's um, great. But Lalo asks, basically asks him to take him up the road uh, a couple of a couple of miles up because he senses that something is off. He's trying to find Saul's car, and of course, he does find the car. This jump scene where he jumps down to the car, to the esteem was actually a real person. Yeah, see, it's so good. I I saw that it that Dalton it wasn't him, but he does have a lot of uh, stunt work. Yes, he he had a, he was on a, a show. It was like the Mexican version of Jackass. And he was okay. On. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm gonna I'll send you a clip of this on YouTube, and he's he's for real about it. It it is he's pretty crazy. Okay, um, you know you know I think uh, I think Knoxville is a uh, a very good actor actually. So yeah, he is. It, it you know you get steely when you're insane for a career. <laughs> uh, he finds the esteem. He jumps to it, and of course, he sees the bullet holes. Nice callback to the scene with Kim's eye uh, just 20 minutes ago, and this time you see uh, you see Lalo's eye seeing through Saul's lies, uh, and he wants to go back to Al- Albuquerque. This is not good. Back to Albuquerque. Back and to Albuquerque. You're not sure. You're like, oh god damn it. <laughs> that, that's a long drive. Yeah, and you just want this guy out of your fucking life. Yeah, he, he's. You, you can tell his patience is, is wearing very thin. And uh, we all know that when you're giving somebody a ride somewhere, the best part about it is driving home by yourself. Yeah. And to be robbed of that in this situation is <laughs> so painful. Um, and so after break, <clears throat> Kim returns home and she tells Jimmy that she quit her job and gave up Mrs. <laughs> And Jim, you know, is shocked, as we all are. He says he wants to know what happens. And Kim says she felt that it felt right. And she, she wasn't happy, which we know. And she's going to go back to doing pro bono. And Jimmy, of course, says pro bono is not going to pay the bills. Yeah. They said it's like leaving the Yankees to do amateur ring toss. <laughs> and, and as you said, uh, Jim, Jimmy tries to reuse Mike's road analogy to a way worse effect. And Kim snaps back at him and she says, this isn't your decision, nor is it your business. And she's completely right. Yeah. Um, Jimmy said that he left failure. As, like, this is one quote that I, I did want to talk about is that he said he left failure as Jimmy to success as Saul. There's a lot going on with that comment there. Like, do you fully believe that? Do you believe that Saul is a success in the same way that Jimmy was? Well, I think it's, you know, he's he's not a six. I mean, he's not the the success that Saul is isn't the success that Jimmy could have been uh, because Jimmy's the career that Jimmy was intending to have 
isn't the career that Saul has. So it's not totally true, even if it's a little bit true. It's also really not true because uh, this will we'll talk about this more at the end, but because he could have had this, he could have been a success as Jimmy as recently as like a week before this. Yeah, no, absolutely not. But I, I think that like if Jimmy would have just sat it down in season four and just stayed as the, the, the cell phone shift manager, he would have been fine. Yeah. I mean, he he would have got his know, law license back. He would have got his law license back. He would have been able to use his name. He would have just been – he could have gone back to elder law. Like I, I don't see Saul as a particularly success or a failure for him. I just think it's like literally something that has destroyed people's lives. Yeah, yeah. And it's – I mean it's not it, – it, it, very few people – you know, you change your name as a matter of presentation, but very few people would say that Saul is a success in, you know, moralistic terms. Yeah. So so what's the point of changing your name, you know, for what? So uh, right after their argument, Mike calls Jimmy and tells him to leave his phone on. Mike is in hot pursuit. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and he says, leave your phone on so I can hear what's about to happen. And I put in my notes. Oh, fuck no. Of course, Kim gets a knock at the door. <clears throat> it is Lalo. And he says to Kim, told you he'd be back. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I popped it down. Great, great line. Great line. He great implored, delivery from Dalton. He implores Kim and Jimmy to sit down, and he asks Jimmy to tell him what happened. And at this point, the lie is caught up to him. Jimmy has to retell this story to him multiple times at the behest of him saying, tell me again. Jimmy, I, one thing I did notice about him retelling the story, he added – he added doubt to the fact that he could be lying every time by telling the story, but then adding another wrinkle to it to 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 compound on, you know, what was real and what's what's fake. And I thought that that was a really interesting take here and a, and a really interesting thing to have Jimmy to do, because at that point, he's not lying to just to get over on somebody's line to stay alive at this point. Yeah. And it was great that, like, I, I think he it did show that he was a good liar. I mean, he was. It seemed like he was adding adding detail out of desperation rather than just concocting it. And, you know, it's like, oh, I, you know, I thought this detail was pointless the last time I told the story. But, if, you know, if I just need to tell a more detailed version, I'll tell this version of it, too. So yeah, he, he it's, it's painful. I mean, he even adds the P part. Yeah. <laughs> on yeah. One of the retellings. And, you know, I, I love that Lalo was completely silent and 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 really inert and not really making a face, not going left or right. But to make matters worse, Lalo tells him that he found his car. What, what were you, what were you like your at the time? Cause I know you watched this like pretty much when it aired here. Yeah. Yeah. California. What, what were your feelings? Cause you texted me after it was over or you were done watching. You said, Woo. And I was yeah, like, I mean, it's, <laughs> you, you gotta love, uh, I mean, if you're going to put, uh, living rooms are not cinematic. <laughs> and if you're gonna if you're gonna make a scene like this as at this length, uh, it's got to be good. And all three of them were operating at just peak capacity, uh, juicing the intensity out of it. And it, you know, we saw the tweets that were like, "Don't miss these episodes. Watch them as they air." And I'm watching it like, "Oh, okay. Here, here is why." Yeah, and, and you know. This scene alone, like the tension, you could cut it with a knife. Like I, I was literally, I stopped taking notes. I had to rewatch it. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, this, I, this is one of the things where like you realize how long it's going and you're like, just kind of like 
relishing how uh, what they're doing just because it's so manipulatively greatly manipulative yeah and i didn't have a say i realized i didn't have a single thing written so i was like oh crap i gotta go back and watch this <laughs> scene again um but we see that mike is already there at the apartment complex and he has the sniper rifle on him he had to dig it right back out and he has a shot on lalo at this point i'm like please take the shot yeah before we can even say this uh and after lalo keeps agitating the fish tank which really greatly bothered me as someone who plays animal crossing yeah. um kim steps in and i at this point you see the gun on lalo's hip and you're like okay they won't do this now will they yeah oh my god <laughs> so kim says uh she's in the way of the shot for one and she mentions the bullet holes uh and she says you know she berates lalo and says essentially you can't trust anyone in your team and that's why you're doing this you should go after them and not the person who saved your life. And that saves Jimmy's life. I, I don't have the everything written from what she says. It was a qu- quite a long monologue, to say the least. But I have to say, uh, in, a, in a series of performances from five seasons over six years, this might have been Rhea Seahorn's best one. Yeah, she was fantastic, and it really, between how good she was in this episode and how good Dalton was in the episode, uh, and how good Nacho has been in other episodes, uh, how important it has been to have not just Gus, Mike, and Saul as the figureheads of the show, as it so easily could have been, and then it would have felt a lot more fanservice-y and boring if that were the case, but because it's not the case, and they fleshed out you know, these other characters with, you know, that can give these amazing performances, show defining performances. Uh, it's one of the things that makes the show so great. And she was, you know, the last night was maybe the most, the moment most emblematic of that ever. Lalo, he agrees, but he doesn't yeah, say yeah. <laughs> And he essentially, he leaves the, he leaves the apartment and tells Nacho, take him to Mexico, but not the same place. Lalo knows what's going on now. And Kim is right. His inner circle is against the Salamancas. We now see the big, the kind of the, the big crux of the story here is that that family from the beginning was set up to fail. And that's why they really don't give a shit about Hector. Yeah. And why, why it's believable that Gus is so powerful by the beginning. Right? Yeah. Because he, you know, and he says this and we don't know how, this will happen with Lalo, but he, he even tells he tells him that you know all the solid markers are, are, are dead. And he tell he tells Hector this, and he says you know you're the last one. And we don't know how Lalo's going to get it, but uh, I, I I have no clue how this will happen. Yeah, I mean at this point I don't. I expect him to be in the in the final season. Uh, really? Lalo, yeah, I think because. Well, I guess yeah. I mean, they. I, 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 maybe I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he. <laughs> He either dies in the next episode or he's in the next season, I guess. Yeah, and it's it's definitely you know a lot a lot of things are left up to left up in the air with the next season because I mean it's longer. It's thirteen episodes. A lot. Someone actually optioned that they think that it might be split, but I don't think that would be even split. Like you're splitting it. It's thirteen. You split it six and seven. Yeah, probably or seven and six, maybe. Actually, the you know the second act is always a little shorter than the first act and, and stuff like that. But the that would be crazy to split it now because then that that would mean that the final season, the final seven episodes are airing in twenty twenty two. Well, I mean, even with this situation we're going through now in the world, 
I would not imagine them being able to. This actually might, in a lot of ways, work out for them. Granted, things get better in the next uh, next six months because they could film in January. Yeah, and they could still have it out by next fall. The first part, at least, right? And then like, yeah. I would say yeah. first part next fall, second part in the summer, and just give us six months off, like they did. With yeah, Ray. yeah. Without, Ray without give us a year. Breaking my yeah, yeah. And so the Mad Men did the same thing. So, would you be okay with them splitting, or would you just want all thirteen at once? I would rather all thirteen at once, but only as like a byproduct of the of the meta nature of like these guys are all starting to look a little old. Yeah, and if this is airing (laughs) in twenty twenty two, like that's crazy. Well, make that's the power of makeup and, and stuff, you know. You don't, yeah, yeah I you know, I, I know, but like, there's there's some scenes where I'm like, it's fine, it's, it doesn't actually bother me, but I'm like, oh man, it has been. They've been they, this guy's been playing this character a long time. Not everybody, <laughs> not everybody is blessed as uh Hugh Jackman who finished Wolverine looking younger than he uh than he started, yeah. So, uh, that that scene ended the episode. We don't we see in the next time on that Lalo and Nacho do make it. To Mexico, uh, but there's one interesting part in that, that that next time on that no one seems to be talking about, and that is Howard makes a return and he's talking to Kim. I don't think Howard told Kim, and I don't think Jimmy told Kim about Howard offering him the job. But what do you think is going to come out of that? I think that's going to be a very telling conversation, very important conversation to the to the season finale. Yeah, I think. I mean, what I would imagine Kim would say is, you know, you seem to have adopted the 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 Saul character out of necessity because nobody would have you in any other capacity but now i'm finding out that you were you know you chose to do they, it they were they were handing you a, a better job than you ever had and you turned it down anyway like it's one thing if you were doing this because you've been blacklisted by you know corporate lawyers everywhere but actually your old friend was like helping you out in a huge way and you said no for no reason so you could keep doing this fake bullshit yeah, and, and she even says it in this episode. Like she said, "You changed your name, and I supported you, and I still don't quite get why you did it." It's about uh, leaving failure behind, even if he isn't a failure. Okay, yeah. uh, really, really quick predictions if you have any for next episode. Um, I think Nacho is gonna die. I would, I'd like him to, I'm trying, I'm working through it. I think it's going to be a, like that in a way that will be, I think Nacho will, will probably die in a way that is uh, very, I've said this before, but very, and you've said it before, very effective for Mike, especially Um, because at this point he doesn't really have a relationship with anybody else on the show. Yeah. uh, That's meaningful uh, other than his dad, but you know what I mean? Um, I would say, so if Lalo dies in this episode, then who is like the big bad of the final season? Well, be clear. I don't think we're getting all through. Okay. These are the three things that are the, the biggest hanging, hanging fruit, so to speak for this season yeah. in the series. That's Kim and Jimmy. In the yeah. That, that's, I don't, at this I don't point, that's over. No, no, that, that's going to be the final. It could be the final two minutes of the show for all, yeah. for all we know. The same, the, uh, a la, um, all uh, uh Hank finding the uh the book. Yes. I oh yeah, this Jimmy and Saul. Or I'm sorry, uh Kim and Saul. There's Nacho and there's Lalo. One of these has to be taken care of before the next season. 
And yeah. I don't think we're going to get all three in one episode. No. We just don't have the time to do that. Yeah, and it's not going to be Kim and Jimmy. Well, I well the, the thing that's interesting about Lalo and Nacho is that, remember in Breaking Bad, Saul doesn't know that they're dead. That's true. So that's it, has true. Be, it has to be in a way where he does not know that they're gone. And I think them going to Mexico is a perfect way to do that because he's not there. They've, they've kept them away from him at this point. That's true. And if it, if it maybe, maybe that's who's actually – it's actually Nacho after him in Nebraska. Yeah, exactly. Whoa, well, that would be crazy. That would be insane. I don't know. I, I, I think my, my, my pie-in-the-sky prediction is that of the one of them that will happen, of course, not all three of them happening, I think Kim and Jimmy is the most likely to break and have Lalo survive. I want, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, it's the, the Howard thing is very perplexing. Well, it's, it's interesting because I thought that was going to be the last time we ever saw him because uh, I was just watching a season four episode where they, uh, where Kim tore into his ass about the, the will. And I was like, this is the last time you see him until literally next season. So, you know, for him to be back, and we said this since the beginning, there's a reason why he's there. He's not just there for no reason. It's gonna be it's gonna be figured out, and we were wrong again when Jimmy went off on him two episodes yeah, ago. Yeah, we thought that was gonna be it, and this isn't it. And I'm like, they keep dangling the Howard thing. You said it yourself perfectly. You were like, there is a there's a big reason why he's there. We just don't know why it is, and I think we're gonna figure that out next episode. What if what if he asks Kim to go work for HHM again? Well, we have, yeah, we we tried to give Jimmy the job, and he didn't want it. So why don't you come do it? That would be that. That would be the. I think that would be a betrayal that would be worth them breaking up for, right? Yeah, I don't know that she would. I mean, it would be weird to have her immediately take that after. I think. I think the. I think just her. What we were saying earlier, finding out that they offered Jimmy the job and getting pissed about it is more, more likely. Just because it would be weird to have her weird plotting to have her quit her other job and then immediately take this one. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I think any any of this stuff is obviously very okay, in yeah. play. Yeah. I, I, again, like I think the best part about the season that we don't know what's going to happen. Like as much as we, the, the only thing we know ever is where these characters end up. Yeah, and I think we may. Well, I think we may be in a, in a in a couple of years thinking about this season. Like, oh, it was even better than we we realized at the time. Yeah, because when you when you connect all of it, and there's got to be like a big rewatch one day that I do of all these shows, but like it all makes sense. And I think that, you know, the, the biggest part about this is that it has to be sensical and they've done a great job with it. I'm, I don't think that there is any doubt in my mind that they'll stick the landing next week. I just wanted to, to make sure that the cliffhanger is, is good enough to make us wait for however long we have to wait because I, you know, worst case scenario, we wait longer than a year this time, but best case scenario is that we're only waiting until literally next, next winter. Yeah. Please God. Okay, so that has been Recalling Saul. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, follow us at RNC Radio Live uh, and let us know what you think about the show and everything that we do. Please subscribe to us and leave us ratings and comments on Apple Podcasts and Spotify from RNC Watch where you'll get shows like this. Are, are we, should we have any late fees again? Yeah, we got to put one in an episode out. Yeah, we, we, we watch Bad Boys for Life. I think we should, we should get on the, on the horn with everybody and talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. So uh, next week we'll be doing our giant uh, season finale episode. Where we'll be talking about the season as a whole and the uh, last episode, something unforgivable. What a what an ominous title, Pat. Yeah, very half measures, full measure situation. Yo, 
we, we've had something stupid. I think there's another something in season four. Uh, I forget what it was. There's something on. I forgot what it was. I'm not going to look it up. But yeah, yeah. it's going to be crazy. Uh, we'll be here next week, of course, on Thursday to talk to you guys about it. It's going to be a little bit bigger than usual because we're going to talk about all the, the whole season and how it connects to uh, the rest of the series. So until then, for Pat, I'm Justin. Thanks again, guys. Peace out. Peace. Cush it out, red bone, pussy mouth, eat you up, spit you out, fuck your girl in your house, I'm terrible, be careful, you might won't say a prayer or two, so cold I need that flu. I'm so high I need parachutes, I'm error proof, I'm never spooked, got my coupe, heaven blue, and my flag red as hell, think it's sweet as devil's food, I never lose. My weapons used, fuck with me wrong, shit get ugly, Devin dude. <laughs> and she's the queen, two's a couple, three's a scene, Weezy that nigga that you seen your dreams, get the pussy wet or be the springs, <laughs> I'm Easter clean, shout to my homegirl Mika Means, anything we want we redeem, you niggas gassed up 93 Supreme, Nicki Minaj is the hardest bitch, more than the hardest bitch, she talk a whole lot of shit and walk around like she president Carter's bitch. On a Barbie shit, and me, I'm on a car to six, and I can turn crumbs to bricks, and I can turn nuns to tricks. <laughs> Young Moolah, baby, fuck, fuck your feelings, and this is no ceilings. Yeah. Give me a sweet dream.